I'm Marianne Kolbesak McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Kevin Fu, who was recently named first acting director of medical device cybersecurity at the Food and Drug Administration's Center for Devices and Radiological Health. Kevin has deep roots in medical device cybersecurity, including founding the Archimedes Center for Medical Device Security at the University of Michigan, and he was also founder of Verta Labs, a healthcare security firm. Kevin is on leave from the University of Michigan as he begins this new job at the FDA. So Kevin, to begin with, can you tell us a little bit about this role at the FDA and what are you setting out to do in this new position? So uh, this new role, again, I'm acting director of medical device cybersecurity and FDA's Center for Devices and Radiological Health. And I'm also uh, have a, a role as a program director for cybersecurity in the, the relatively new Digital Health Center of Excellence, also in CDRH. And in my role, I really have five major areas, which is pretty aggressive for this one-year appointment. But the first one is envisioning a strategic roadmap for the future of medical device cybersecurity, much more than just FDAs internally, but the larger community about where medical device security is going. Second, and more specific to FDA, one of my major priorities is integrating security engineering principles through the total product life cycle at CDRH. I teach computer security for a living, teaching undergraduates and graduate students, and I'm looking forward to integrating the last 50 years or so of what we've learned from just general security engineering into medical device manufacturing and review. Uh, And so that leads to the third uh, area, and that is training and mentoring of CDRH staff for both the pre-market and the post-market reviewing as it relates to cybersecurity. The processes of reviewing a submission on cybersecurity elements has been evolving greatly over the last seven years or so. Uh, And part of my role is to bring even more consistency to that process so manufacturers can expect to have consistent results when they submit a 510K or a PMA or something of that nature uh, as far as it relates to cybersecurity and making sure that modern security engineering is being taught more universally to those inside on the FDA who have some responsibility in that domain. The the fourth area I'm looking at has to do with a little more about socialization of cybersecurity, and that's all about engaging with stakeholders in the medical device and the cybersecurity ecosystem. This is a huge ecosystem. It ranges from medical device manufacturers, health delivery organizations, all the way to patient advocacy groups, security researchers. It is a large set of of different communities that don't uh, always know about each other, but it's extremely important to bring these stakeholders together. And then finally, the fifth area is all about fostering cybersecurity collaborations across the federal government. FDA, uh, of course, has the remit for safety and effectiveness of medical devices, but there are a number of other agencies, such as Department of Homeland Security. One of the groups, uh, CISA, has responsibility for a lot of the post-market activities more generally involving cybersecurity. When there's just a computer security vulnerability, you will often see CISA uh, generating notices to all sorts of entities across the country. There's also just plenty of other agencies that have a hand in computer security, whether it be operational like uh, NSA or whether it be more research and education driven like the National Science Foundation or standards driven uh, such as the National Institute for Standards and Technology or NIST that has uh, created by and large the de facto uh, international cryptographic standards for ciphers and algorithms. So those are the five major areas and it's a 
big agenda to carry out in a year. So I view my role as at a very high level as directing an aircraft carrier in the right way, in the right direction, so that for the next couple decades, uh, cybersecurity will be on, on a pathway to where it should be to ensure safety and effectiveness. So, Kevin, that's that's a lot of different things that you'll be working on. But when you take a kind of a big picture view and start drilling down, what are some of the top medical device related cybersecurity challenges that have been emerging or that are most worrisome to you right now that you hope to make a dent in? I think the big challenge is mostly about how to become less reactive and more proactive. Cybersecurity is a foreseeable risk. So it shouldn't be a surprise that we see vulnerabilities in software or hardware that are components of medical devices. And to that, there are a number of different areas FDA is emphasizing where we think we're going to get much more bang for the buck. Um, Number one, threat modeling. We believe that having better, more scientific threat modeling in pre-market submissions for clearance or approval will greatly improve the quality of cybersecurity feedback in the submission process, making the product more secure. To that end, uh, FDA-sponsored MITRE, who worked with MDIC to create a number of uh, boot camps to help manufacturers learn how to do threat modeling to get that into their manufacturing processes. That's number one. Number two is a software bill of materials. Uh, also known as an SBOM. It's a term that's been gaining traction over the last several years. It's basically a software ingredient list. It tells you what's on the inside. And uh, FDA has been talking quite a bit about the importance of SBOMs for understanding what software is on the inside of a medical device so you can have a better handle on the risk. And then when a security vulnerability comes out later, you're better able to know are you affected by that security vulnerability? So those are two areas of several, but those are two sort of major ones where it's, it's really um, it's fundamental stuff. It's, it's the basics. So Kevin, you mentioned pre-market, and I understand that the FDA plans to release this year a new or updated version of draft guidance for pre-market devices that FDA issued a few years ago. I understand that this new draft guidance will also look to mitigate the so-called long tail of legacy devices so that new devices that are hitting the market can be more easily updated when there are problems and they won't be the sort of issue that we currently have with legacy devices today. Anything you can tell us about this? Any certain steps that you would like to see the medical device industry take in terms of, you know, preparing their devices for future use that would be more secure and safer? So I'll just briefly say, yes, the industry should expect to see draft pre-market, revised draft pre-market guidance uh, this calendar year. Uh, It'll go through the standard public comment period, likely toward the end of the year. With regards to legacy, so speaking for myself, legacy is always going to be there. The moment you put a device on the market, you've immediately created new legacy. And so the important part for computer security is making sure that when it goes to market, number one, it's reasonably secure, but number two, it needs to be secure-able for its intended lifetime. So the concept of software updates, regular software updates is just so important because today we we know there are going to be vulnerabilities in software and we need to plan for that. And so you plan for those legacies and uh, you're only going to be as good as your ingredients. 
So, Kevin, when you start examining some of the vulnerabilities that we see in medical devices that make these devices vulnerable to cyber attacks and other security incidents, what are some of the key weaknesses that we're seeing that medical device makers need to be paying more attention to? Is it authentication? Is it, you know, other areas of security that really need more attention? I think I would actually turn back just right to back to basics again. It's less about a particular security vulnerability or a particular piece of software, but it's, it's sort of the equivalent to not showing your work in a math class in the third grade. And that is threat modeling. Threat modeling is just so key for 510K and PMA submissions. And the reason why is if you don't have a threat model, then it's more likely that you're going to be either describing a product or, or creating a product where you're just throwing technology at it as opposed to addressing a particular risk. So um, the AME CIR 57 is going to be one of the consensus standards for building security into a device pre-market. And that gets into things like identification, analysis, and evaluation of potential security risks at, at the just most fundamental part of a threat model. And understanding which security risks are ranked as acceptable, conditionally acceptable, or unacceptable. But it's it's time to get away from sort of gut judgment assessments and move toward verifiable security design control. So there's a, a manufacturer who submits a 510K that says something like, oh, we use an obscure software tool, or oh, we've never been attacked, or oh, you just have to put this on a secure hospital network. That, those aren't really valid threat models anymore. Networks are inherently hostile. So it's just so important that the threat model be clear. And once you have a clear threat model, I find that a lot of the other problems, such as, hey, what are the big software risks we need to worry about? Those become much more clear once you specify a threat model. Kevin, with the emphasis on cybersecurity, could you foresee the FDA sort of tightening its approval or pre-approval process where you might see medical devices that don't get approved right away because there are cybersecurity issues that need to be addressed? I would use the term more predictable and consistent rather than stricter. So just to be clear, FDA has already found 510K submissions to be deemed not substantially equivalent. And they've also found some submissions in post-market approval to be not approvable based on cybersecurity concerns alone. In other words, just the cybersecurity problem led to that device not getting cleared or approved. So that's already true. But returning to my statement about training internally on cybersecurity matters for reviewers, one of my roles is helping with the great team at FDA to just bring even more consistency to that process so that two directions, so cybersecurity doesn't slip through the cracks where something gets approved that perhaps uh, shouldn't have been, but also something isn't denied for some unreasonable reason. So uh, bringing that consistency, I think, is really important. And the manufacturer plays a role by making sure they have a very cogent and well-thought threat model in their submission. And finally, Kevin, if you were to offer one piece of critical advice to healthcare CISOs in terms of doing a better job mitigating the security risk posed to their organizations and to their patients by medical devices when it comes to cybersecurity issues, what would that piece of advice be? Well, it's a challenge to be managing these operational technologies or OT in health delivery organizations. Uh, I've worked for one. I work with them. There there are just so many thousands of devices. I think HDO should feel empowered to make sure the manufacturers know there's going to be different types of manufacturers. 
Some may be in a denial phase. Others might be doing quite a good job. But there should be no manufacturer coming to them saying that, oh, this device won't function unless you put it on a, quote, secure network. It it needs to function on a hostile network because all networks are hostile. There's also an FDA fact sheet available. You can just search on the internet for FDA dispelling myths uh, about cybersecurity. And there are a number of hot button issues that I think should be of relevance to HDOs to understand when they can sort of push back on a manufacturer, perhaps making a claim that's not quite right, but really empowering the HDOs to ask for good cybersecurity built into those medical devices. That said, cybersecurity is inherently a shared responsibility. There is no way it's going to be 100% on any one entity. HDOs are going to play a role. Manufacturers are going to play a role. Regulators play a role. But certainly the manufacturers need to be able to uh, deliver a device that's safe and effective and then remain secureable over the lifetime of that device. Thanks, Kevin. I've been speaking to Kevin Fu of the FDA. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.